0: Welcome to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham DeWeese. Thank you for coming back once again. What is going on this week? We got a special show. We have a celebrity on tonight. One Jim Moore. He's our special guest. More than $12 bill. He's ready, He's really uphill. And by the way, tonight, he's going to be giving us a thrill. And back with us once again, of course, our Matthew Page. He loves his cats. He's an Oregon duck. Uh, but nobody gives a... Anyway. We uh, <laughs> host tonight. He loves his coots. He loves his dog. I assume he loves bay tooth and feuds and Lincoln Logs. Take it away, Soul Man. <laughs>
1: hey, you're getting better at that, boss man. Welcome, guys. Welcome, Jim Moore. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Jim Moore? Uh, we truly really hey. appreciate you joining
2: us. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You guys gonna have fun with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, it's always you. interesting to see how he slams me every week for being a duck. <laughs> it, it comes up with a new and exciting way every week.
2: <laughs> That's good. Well, yeah, I, I appreciate you guys having me.
1: Well, thank you for joining us. Um, my first question for you tonight <laughs> is, I mean, believe it or not, you are a true icon in, in the state of Washington, Jim Moore. We all consider you that, and we know there's thousands of people that agree with our opinion i mean can i ask where did where did you grow up what city did you grow up in did you grow up in washington
2: well i yeah i grew up in redmond just on the east side yeah i mean it's a car right now but um yeah i i don't know about icon though i <laughs> pretty nice of you to say and i i have a feeling that and someone else i can't remember who it was earlier this week you know saying yeah jim you're like a legend i'm like no i'm not i'm not a legend i'm not an icon i just think that i've been around long enough to, i, I guess people crowd out those words i mean i appreciate it it's really nice you know with you saying that but um i, I just uh yeah i i grew up in redmond and you know i'm a kid that just is always like sports and and I thought, when I was a kid, I thought, geez, you know, I'd love to be a sports writer and hopefully cover the sonnet someday. And I never in a million years thought I'd be doing sports radio, which I ended up doing that for 10 years. And uh, 26 years at the Seattle Post-Intelligencer. And, and now, trying to, Matt, I get the feeling now that I have to explain what the Post-Intelligencer was to people who are new to town because March uh, 17th, uh, which is, what, two weeks away? That'll be, it'll be let's see, 12 years since the PI went out of business. So there was another newspaper here in town that um, hasn't heard of it. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure it's fun working there for 26 years. And, and then, like I said, another 10 there at uh, 710 East in Seattle. And it's just been, I don't feel like I've ever worked. So, you know, I sit here at the age of 63 wondering what I'm going to do next. I, I mean, this might be it, but uh, it, it, it's sure been fun.
1: Right on. When, when How old were you when you want, decided you wanted to be a sports writer?
3: I'm just curious.
2: Oh, pretty young. Uh, probably, well, when I went to Washington State, I either wanted to be a veterinarian because I love dogs uh, or a PE teacher and coach. Or I wanted to be a sports writer, and I uh, it was probably number one ahead of those other two by quite a margin, just because I grew up listening to the Sonics. I was ten years ten years old when the Sonics came to town, and I would sit in my bedroom and I would you know write down the box score, and every time Bob Rule would score two points, I would circle a two, and if Walt Hazard scored two, I, you know, and I just sat there and I just loved the Sonics, and I just thought man, someday if I could ever, and I I read the, the post intelligence for growing up and uh, read the sports section every day. And I thought, boy, if I could ever put the two together, if I could work at the PI someday and cover the Sonics, that would be a dream for me. And it, it worked out. I uh, ended up covering the Sonics from 90 to 96 with George Carl and camp and Peyton and all those teams they had and going to the NBA finals. And so, um, yeah, I feel really lucky. I, I'm unemployed right now, but looking back, I just feel fortunate to have uh, covered some of the teams that I've covered and 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 done some of the things I've done over the over the past what, geez, 35 years now.
1: Right on. Uh, I do want to talk to you about the PI, but uh, I do have a have to ask. I heard you're a golfing phenom. Is that true? And how long have you been playing golf uh, for? <laughs>
2: A uh, I'm probably i probably more of an icon than I am. Um, I'll tell you that much. I love to play the game, and I I learned I played at Brayburn, uh, which is a little course. It's kind of below Inner High School, between Inner Lake and and Lake Sammamish, a little nine-hole course, and I would I would actually. I, I got to admit some to you guys. Uh, I, I would sneak on because it was a private course. It was a little part three <laughs> course, and I don't think I—I I don't think I ever got caught, but I still had eyes in the back of my head all the time playing there. And then, also played at Bellevue Municipal. They call it Bellevue Golf Course now, but back in the day we always called it Bellevue Mini. And um, and then I also played at. Redmond Golf rank. Yeah, you, you know, you reach my age and they, you know, things change so much. But uh, where Redmond Town Center is now, there used to be a golf course there, and you can, you can actually see a couple of the old holes by the the Sammamish Slough there. Uh, but yeah, I, I've never gotten good. I've I've never been a single digit handicap guy. I've I've been as low as it can. I mean, I shot 75. Where did I shoot seventy five? Oh, I shot seventy five at Gold Mountain. Last summer, um, wow. from the white tee, from the white tees, using irons off the tee and keeping the ball in play. So, I mean, I can play a little bit, but if we, if you guys were to go out with me tomorrow, and if you hear like you know that I'm playing golf all the time, I'm really, I don't think I've ever come across as being good at it. I, I never have been very good, but I would go out on a basic course and, and shoot 80s, 90s, something like that. But I'd maybe had 10 or 12 rounds in my life in the 70s, but typically 80s, 90s, and, you know, but I I just, I love golf. I love the game.
1: Have you ever, or actually, let me rephrase this, has Chambers Bay ever allowed you on their golf course?
2: Yeah, I've been to Chambers Bay, and um, here's a story for you. I uh, played last, what was it, July, and it was called the Chambers Bay Solstice. And you actually had to train to play in this event. Now, they wanted to hold it on the longest day of the year, and you were going to tee off uh, in the morning and then get done at night and play as many holes as you could. And we did it at the end of July, and that's basically what we did. We teed off in the dark, like right around, I think it was 5.30, quarter to 6 or something like that. And I think I walked off the course at 7.30 or 8, that night after playing 54 holes i think if you guys have ever played chambers Bay, it's, it's a high pitch to play 18 and um but we played 54 that day and it was probably 75 80 degrees and uh, it was a lot of fun i think i saw uh i think i saw like 90
0: Wow. Uh,
2: it wasn't terrible but it wasn't wasn't bad either but it was one of those endurance tests where you just wanted to if you could make it through the whole day and uh it was 22 miles uh but it was so fun I, I enjoyed it and then having the u.s open down there at chambers bay five years ago that was a thrill too
1: <clears throat> that's awesome thank you for sharing that um now i have to ask you obviously we all know you went to wazoo i mean i went to wazoo pullman and the palouse is god's country what what drew you to the palouse why not UW or anywhere else?
2: <laughs> well, I, I actually, and you know, everybody's like, "Oh, you couldn't go to UW because you couldn't get in there for academics." The, and I was like, "Well, no, actually, back when I was in school, I, I got into UW. I I, I was accepted." Um, now, granted, Brian and Matt, it was easier to get into UW back when I got out of high school in the '70s, but you still need to have good grades, but my parents at the time told me, and it was a tough one for me because I was a huge Husky fan growing up. My mom had season tickets and we we sat in section seven and uh, I loved Sonny Trichkiller. He was my all-time favorite when I was a kid. And I just, I I thought he was great. I enjoyed going to the games, having lunch with my mom on, on the Motley cut and watching the boats and everything. But they told me I'd have to live at home if I was going to go to Washington. And I I thought, well, I don't really – I mean, I love you, Mom and Dad, but I, I'd like to have the college experience and be on campus. And so I just kind of shifted my sights to WSU. I didn't know much about WSU, honestly, but I just thought <laughs> – I know i went I there and everybody's like, well, they've got a good journalism school. And I was like, yeah, they really do. The Murrow School of Communication, they've got a great journalism school. But what drew me there was, and back then it was the Pac-8. It wasn't it was the Pac-10 or the Pac-12. We only had eight mm-hmm. schools in the conference. But I wanted to watch Pac-8 football and basketball. And if I wasn't going to go to Washington, that was what drew me to Pullman was I wanted to watch college basketball and college football at the Division One level. And uh, it just so happened that WSU had a good journalism school, too.
1: Oh, right on. Right on. Um, do you happen to remember a Husky running back by the name of Joe Steele? Of course. Yes, okay,
2: I, I do. He had, I, do, he had, reason, he had, he had injury or else he had really done something.
1: Reason why I had to ask is he, he went to Blanchett and Abraham and I are graduates of 1990 class of Blanchett. So I I was kind of curious if you knew about him. So he was a good
2: running back. Well, yeah, he, um, yeah, if you're old enough to remember Joe Steele, he was one of the best running backs in Washington history. And I I remember feeling really bad after he had a knee injury that I don't think he was able to, well, I don't know. You guys maybe know more about it since he's a Blanchett grad. I don't know if he played in the NFL or not. I, I tend to think that if he did, it didn't last long. But it was, you know, it was the same because he was, uh, he was one
1: echo of running back. I, I think you're correct. He didn't play. He, I don't think he barely made a training camp, so. <clears throat> but right on. I'm glad, um, We have to ask this, too. I mean, Pull, Pullman is, I mean, I, I get haze all the time. Pullman's. they, they say we're not a college at Wazoo. We're all, all we are is a party school, blah, blah, blah. I mean, would you or? Could you share a, a, one story of going to Wazoo for our listeners and for us by chance? <laughs> it, 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 if you
3: don't want to, we get it, but I have to not, ask.
1: Are, are you asking
3: him to share a party oh, no, story? Right. Or? Whatever, <laughs>
1: what, whatever he wants. That's rate, you know, rated G or PG. I don't care.
2: Well, yeah, probably not G. Uh So how much time do you have on the podcast? I've got all (laughs) (laughs) the about about being and Pullman. Yeah, I'm kind of ashamed to admit it. Um, I think I should be ashamed to admit it, but I was 17 my my freshman year, and my kids, I've got 16-year-old twins, and they're turning 17 next month, and I sit there and I look at them, and I'm going, oh, my God, if they do the same crap I did at 17, (laughs) uh, I I, I don't know. Because I, I skipped a grade when I was in first grade. And so and then I was young for my, my class anyway. And so I, I, went to, I graduated from high school at 16. And then I got to Pullman when I was 17. And then I graduated when I was 20. And so I guess that's a long way of saying that my first two years in Pullman, the drinking age was 19 in Idaho at the time. And so I had to come up with a... And I looked... I looked 17. So I always, whenever we went to the bars in Moscow, I was always worried about getting carded. And back then they weren't as, you know, they, they, they didn't check IDs as closely as they probably do now. But fortunately for me, I found a kid on campus that looked exactly like me. Now I was six foot and probably 190, And this guy was only like five, nine and one sixty five, but we, we looked identical. Um, from the from the shoulder stuff anyway. And so yeah, that's I don't know. You guys tell me, should I be ashamed, proud, embarrassed, uh <laughs> that I got had a fake ID and I was going over to Idaho all the time at the age of seventeen and you know, playing losers chug ball and uh it was it was so much fun though. And you know, I I yeah, I probably shouldn't have been doing that, but I I ended up getting decent grades my first year. Uh I was over a three point, so I think I balanced it out. Okay. But it was so much fun. I mean, Brian, you know, you went there and and you you had your four years, your your four years there. And uh, I just love the place. And and are we a party school? Yeah, I I guess, but it sure was a lot of fun. And uh, I look back on that as the best four years of my life.
1: No, well said. I, 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 I got married and we, my wife and I lived over there and, I loved it more than her, but maybe it's because of the small town atmosphere. I had a job working on campus. I worked in Uniontown just south of there at a at bartending and it is the best years of my life. And as for having a fake ID, I don't, I'm not going to judge you on that. I had one. I mean, my parents are probably going to be shocked by listening, but I had one when I was 16. So <laughs> I get Scandal.
3: it. So. Scandal. <laughs> but it, it's beautiful over there. I mean,
2: Boy.
1: sorry, go ahead
3: you're you're
1: young yeah. you're supposed to make
2: yeah, no, steak no, no. Steak, no, it's no, it is, you know and it, it's like brian you probably know this like if we want to joke about Pullman, you know we can because we're kooks and but man we love the place and and i i get offended when when someone rips on Pullman. you know i mean i don't get really really offended to the point that i get really upset about it but like leave us alone it's our school it's our home you know it's our home and um uh, i yeah, I, I admit that when they play this song, the song, you know we always find our way back home at the State at Martin Stadium. Gotta tear up seeing that thing, you know, because it just so many memories come back to all of us when we're when we're back there and uh, of all the good times that we had of going to school and being a cook.
1: Thank you, you for saying a... that. Sorry right. to interrupt you real quick, Matt. Yeah, I tear up, I tear up every time they play that, so I, now I don't feel as bad.
3: <laughs> I totally get it. Uh, Anyways, that. Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask, do, do you have any uh, any favorite moments of the football games or the or the basketball games on campus while you were there?
2: Well, yeah.
3: Uh,
2: well, there was one that was, I mean, it was after I graduated the uh, the 92 Apple Cup that, uh, I suppose I could tell you that. I mean, my favorite game of all time, though, was the 97 Apple Cup, but that wasn't there at Martin Stadium. It was at Husky Stadium and I mean, that one, um, to finally beat the Huskies and and to go to the Rose bowl after having not gone to Pasadena for 63 years or whatever, that, that one was really special. Um, and then I remember back in, uh, I think it was 81. So a long time ago before you guys were born and all that stuff, no doubt. Um, it just. I came down, I was working up in Anchorage at the time, and it was another situation where we could go to the Rose Bowl if we beat the Huskies at Husky Stadium. And I remember Paul Scanty had a big game for the Huskies that day, and we ended up losing. And the only way we were able to get into the stadium, we didn't have tickets. We lied and faked like we were coming. We went to where the vendors came in to prepare for selling hot dogs and cokes and stuff. And while they were checking in, we posed as vendors to get into Husky stadium. And we just signed in a fake name. And we, when we walked in and then we acted like we were going over to get our, our trays. And then we just kind of bolted and headed into the stadium. But um, so that was disappointing. And we had to wait for another 16 years for the Cougs to, to beat the Huskies and then go to the Rose bowl. But yeah, it's just, I get so wound up over Cougar football. It it's, uh, it's, the thing is, is that we've had so many disappointments that, that when we do win and when we do have great season, it makes it more special.
0: <clears throat> uh,
1: I I want to ask, I was going to ask later, but over the years, have you had any inter- interaction with Ryan Leaf? I mean, what are your thoughts about Ryan Leaf and, you know, the road he, he's gone down? I mean, right, have you have you had any interviews with him? or
2: well, I have. I um, I, I'm torn with Ryan Leaf because, and I still to this day will tell people that he's the best college quarterback I, I've ever seen. I, I I've never seen a kid as good as him. The way he could just rifle it out to the sideline, and and then I hold, <laughs> I hold a special place in my heart for him too, because he was the guy that ended the drought. Uh, he was the quarterback that got us to Pasadena, and Brian will probably tell you this too that, you know, most cougs, all cougs, I think, it's like we wanted to go to one Rose Bowl in our lifetime. That was all, we always talked about it, my buddies, and I was always like, man, I just, you know, want to go to the Rose Bowl one time in my lifetime. And now we've been twice, and granted, we lost both times, but the thing is, is that we made it. And that was what I really wanted. Now, hopefully, we'll go back and and win one. But uh, Ryan Leaf was the quarterback that got us there. So, that's number one. Uh, later on, I remember how I lunch with him one time uh, at a restaurant in Lake Union, and he seemed to be doing pretty well. I, it was before, I and mean, then I also went to a game when he was quarterback in the San Diego Chargers, and he played pretty well. It was against the Seahawks. Uh, but as you know, he didn't have much of an NFL career. Um, I lost fifty bucks though on Ryan Leaf here's a here's a quick story for you there was a there's a bar i used to go to in Burien, and um i remember the bartender was kind of saying hey because i think peyton manning is going to be drafted ahead of ryan leaf and i was like you know i got the old kook thing in me going i was like no way they're going to take ryan leaf he's more talented than peyton manning so i said him 50 bucks at leaf would be drafted ahead of manning and of course i i lost and I think I don't know if you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Did, did Manning have a little bit better career than Ryan? I think maybe he, <laughs> yeah. the Colts made
3: yeah. it, it's I, debatable.
2: Maybe he made a good choice. Yeah, it, I think they made is a good debatable. choice. For him. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh so I don't know. You know, I, I I saw him for lunch later on. He was probably around thirty at the time and he seemed to be doing fairly well. I don't know if the whole drug addiction thing had come out yet. But um it sure seemed to me like when I saw him at times that he was able to fool people into thinking that he had licked his problem when he actually hadn't. And so he really had to hit bottom hard before he was able to come back. And I think he's done with all of that. Now I see his tweets and he seems like he's been, he's doing well as a dad and, um, trying to live life the right way. But, uh, I'm not certain of that, but, I mostly have fond memories of Ryan Leaf and, and I know that it's it's got to hurt him to be every year, like biggest draft bust ever. It's always Ryan Leaf. He's right up there at the top.
1: <clears throat> well said. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I, I'm not looking for it and I'm sorry to me, but I want to share my Ryan Leaf story. Uh, a few years ago, my youngest daughter got involved in drugs and ran away and I long story short, I reached out to Ryan Leaf on Twitter and, he responded to me and he kind of helped me through it and he, he set me up with a conversation and my wife up with a conversation with his mom and she told she told us you know her story of it and how hard it was for her and her husband what they went through and ever since I mean my uh, my, my daughter's still gone but we kind of know where she is but she, his mom's been a stable for us and Ryan's always been there for us I mean I it's only been through social media but I felt real bad last year when he lost his job with ESPN because he got, you know, his fiance or wife or whatever called the police and they got in that argument and blah blah blah. Yeah. But but he he get I want to give him some credit because he is a good guy. He's got a good side to him. So i I wish him the best because he I really appreciate what he did for me and my
2: wife. Well, that's really <laughs> cool to hear that. I um you know and I give him the benefit of the doubt too. And I you know I know there's type people. Saying yeah, you know, how can you give that guy the benefit of the doubt? He had so many chances. He threw his life away, or whatever. I just, I just have a feeling, and I, I don't. I think that you're just not thinking clearly when you're uh, addicted to drugs like that. And so, I mean, you know, when he was breaking into houses and stuff just to get a fix, I mean, normal people don't do that. So, right. uh, well, it's a disease, and uh, I'm glad that he got some help for it. And and you're right, that was another another setback another you know like when he was in the news again for the domestic abuse or whatever it was i was like oh my god not a you know not another thing not another tarnished record for for leaf, but uh you know hopefully that will be the end of that
1: i, I definitely i i totally agree with you <clears throat> um a couple more questions about your past career with the pi and all but before you, were, you went to the PI, you went to Alaska. Is that the first job that was offered to you, or why did you choose going up to Alaska?
2: <laughs> well, it, it's kind of like right now, I can't find a job.
0: Uh, <laughs> Understood. You
2: know, I, I, got, I got out of college and uh, I wanted to be a sports writer, and I, I looked around. I actually got in my 64 my Volkswagen and I. I sent resumes all all around the different newspapers in in Washington, Oregon, and you know, I thought, well, rather than just give these sports editors a resume that they might just look at and file away with all the rest of them, I wanted to put a a face to the name on the resume. So I just drove around to all these different newspapers, and I and people were nice for the most part. I do remember the guys who were jerks, though, that didn't have the time of day for me, and I thought man, if I ever get in a position where I can help a younger person, I'm at least going to take five minutes and spend some time with them. But there were some that, that didn't. And, um, which, okay. But yeah, your question, I, I finally just, there was a job up in Ketchikan, Alaska and they wanted a sports editor. And, uh, I thought, well, okay. And I interviewed over the phone and they gave me the job and I had a blast. It was so much fun. Uh, you know, taking pictures of covering High School, basketball, and baseball, and they didn't have football up there, but uh, I'd I fly to different tournaments uh, in Sitka and Juneau, and I felt like, man, I'm living the life here, and uh, so many nice people. In fact, uh, one of the reporters that I knew back then in 1979, she uh, was just, she lives in Spokane, and well, she was just over here for a few days, so it's just some of the friendships that you that you have that uh, that lasted this long. I, I mean, it rained there. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, it's. I was looking the other day. I'm I'm trying to write a book about you know forty years of sports or behind the curtain in Seattle sports that type of thing. I I'm not sure where I'm going with it, but the other day I just happened to look up Ketchikan, and compared to Seattle, like we think it rains here all the time, and it's only 38 inches a year that we get here, but it drizzles so much that it's not, you know, as far as inch-wise, we're not getting as much as it seems like we are. But in Ketchikan, it was 160. So it's four times the amount that you got, you know, up in Ketchikan. And uh, it it was tough to take sometimes. But, you know, I was I was 22 at the time, and they had a lot of bars, and the bars were open until five, and, and it was it was fun
1: sounds like fun and appreciate you sharing that story you mentioned how you wanted to help younger people and then i'm going to say this real quick you you a few years ago i messaged you and you about advice because we got credentials to go cover wazoo football and sit in the press box and you gave me great advice and we we went over there and i applied it and i think it's made me better at what i'm doing right now so i do appreciate you how you reach out to people who ask you advice so thank you
2: Oh well, I, I'm glad I helped you out. I, I really, um, it's from that trip that I told you about where I just thought, man, when I get older, and if anybody asks me for help, that's a kid, I'm gonna help them. Uh, I just, I mean, why not? I, I was, I was in those shoes, however many years ago, and I remember what it was like. And so, I mean, there was a kid the other day over uh, at Idaho, University of Idaho, and he, just, you know, wants me to. Check out his writing and his his work on the radio, and yeah, just send me the stuff, and I'll, you know, try and give you my thoughts on it, and you know, or or job shadows. I always have fun having a job shadow because I'm hoping that it's helpful to the kid, but I also want the kid to know that he's helping me or she's helping me because, you know, I've gotten burned out and cynical and all those words, you know, after 40 years of doing this, and so when I see young kids and and I'm around them, I'm going, oh, okay, Jim, come on, man. This is the way you were at that age. And it's a good reminder for me uh, when I do get burned out that, hey, you know, that reminds me of how I felt when I got into the business. I certainly, you know, it's kind of hard right now. I think some kids don't want to get into journalism. They're thinking, geez, you know, where where am I going to find a job and might not pay that much. But I I don't want to be – I know some – people that are uh you know 40s 50s and maybe even 60s like me that that don't really want to encourage kids to get into journalism but uh, i do Uh, i think if you can if you can write and if you if you're a good reporter there's going to be work for you out there and i would never want to discourage anybody from doing that because 40 years for me of of having a career like i had and i never got rich but i didn't really care about money i i just wanted to have a job that i enjoyed and um
0: I, I think I accomplished that. It was, it no,
2: was, absolutely.
0: Wait, 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 wait a minute. So, like, was this the same day you got advice from Jim Moore I, up in the press box where you eating prime rib, and I was down there on the field getting rained on? Is this? Yep. that? Oh my that God.
1: is the first year. Yep, oh. 2017. I think it was. I'm yep. Done. Uh, you got to enjoy it. Wait, you were like, prime rib. I was in the press <laughs> box there. Yeah, it, it was really good. <laughs>
0: I, I enjoyed my. Well, cliff. I know that's, I enjoyed I mean, my cliff, mark. Stuff,
2: yeah. <laughs> But some of that stuff, yeah, you just sit there and you go, well, let's see. I'm getting like, like when I was covering the Sonics for six years, getting on a plane and, uh, you know, especially like just the NBA Finals or whatever, going and and here I am in Chicago and watching Michael Jordan go against the Sonics, and oh, besides that, I'm staying you know, to Ritz Carlton or something. and um, For years, I mean, I don't think the guys sit courtside anymore, the beat reporters, because those seats are too valuable, so they want to sell them to season ticket holders. But, you know, back in the 90s, we typically were sitting right next to George Carl or, or Calabro doing the game, and he was right next to George. And, and yeah, you, you had to pinch yourself sometimes because you'd be going, okay, let's see. They're flying me to these games. I'm sitting courtside. I'm covering the NBA. I'm getting paid for it. I'm going back to my nice <laughs> hotel room tonight, and then I'm going to go to a bar, and then I'm going to get up and catch another flight, go to another city, and yeah, it was it was everything I could have dreamt of. I mean, it was it was it was so much fun. You
3: have one of those awesome. moments where it's like, is this really happening? Are they really paying me for this? This is great.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, and and again, it it. You you don't get rich being a sports writer. I mean, some people do. I, I wasn't one of them, but I didn't really even care about the money that much. I, I I was just I I just thought it was more important to have a job that I liked. I, I I always told myself I thought, man, you know, I could probably get into PR or advertising or something like that. Maybe I could make a hundred or one hundred and fifty thousand a year, maybe. I have to dress up every day, wear a tie, carry a briefcase, go to downtown Seattle. And I, I just was happier wearing jeans and a golf shirt and going to Sonic practice and making what I was making.
1: <clears throat> nice. Speaking of that, you were at the PI for 26 years. Did did you ever have a moment where you wanted to move on somewhere else like the USA Today or whatever? or? Did, or were you just happy being at the PI, well, covering what you love? Yeah,
2: I, I was happy there. I I probably would have retired there if the paper hadn't closed in 2009. I I I was just that was all I want. Well, like I told you earlier, that was all I wanted as a kid. I wanted to cover the Sonics and I wanted to work at the PI someday. And and maybe I should have set my sights higher. I don't know. I but I. Yeah, I suppose. I I read Sports Illustrated for for many years. I started getting it when I was a kid, and I looked so forward to it arriving in the mail every week, and and that was the pinnacle back then, anyway, that you wanted to work for Sports Illustrated. The best writers and reporters were at Sports Illustrated. So there was always a part of me that thought, man, that'd be pretty cool if Sports Illustrated called, and would I want to work there? Yeah, I probably would want to work there, but The PI was the top for me. I mean, that was was enough for me. I never wanted to go to... uh, And not that the New York Times was going to be calling me or the Washington Post, but I didn't aspire to any of that. I was uh, a happy little clam being in my hometown, working at the Seattle Post intelligence, covering the Sonics, and then after that, uh, getting the opportunity to be a columnist. I hadn't really thought about being a columnist, but that was, I enjoyed that too. And I think I did that for like seven or eight years. And, uh, yeah, I just, I wish the PI, Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because I, I never thought I'd get in the radio, but, um, I look back now and if, if the PI had still been in operation, I don't, it probably wouldn't have been as great the rest of my career working at the PI as I envisioned it to be. So, I kind of think of it in that, in those terms too, but, uh, yeah, 26 years there. I enjoyed every minute of it.
1: Right on. Um, before I, I do have a couple of questions. I want to talk to you about 710 and some current sports issues, but I kind of read on the internet, how you got your nickname, the go-to guy, but would you care to share your listeners how, how you got the nickname and why it angered you? At least that's what the internet said.
2: (laughs) 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 Well, I, yeah, I, never in a million years would I have would I have said to anyone, hey, I, I'm the go-to guy, okay? I want you to know something about me. I am the go-to guy. I would have never, never done that because I just have been, I don't know, I've always been a self-deprecator and I, I've never wanted, uh, I suppose I have an ego like anybody else, but I, I just, you know, I hate people who are know-it-alls, big ego, all that stuff. So I, I would have never said, hey, this is this nickname, I want to be the go-to guy. All it was was when they gave me the column, the managing editor, David McCumber, I unbeknownst to me, I remember I was living in Port Orchard at the time and I remember getting the paper uh Saturday morning. And the call my column was going to start on Monday. And it was going to be on page two of the sports section. And they basically just told me, hey, be yourself, just write whatever you want to write. And And I thought, well, okay, that's, wow. Okay, cool. Well, Saturday morning, I pick up the paper and David McCumber introduced me as the go-to guy. And the two was a numeral two because it's going to be on the second page of the sports section. And I just looked at it. I read the call. I read his story about, yeah, introducing the go-to guy. And I didn't like it at all. But then I thought, it's the managing editor. He wants to go with it. I won't complain about it. I'll just go with it. And then the nickname stuck for a while. <laughs> I've I known the Dirty Guy for a while.
3: Uh, well, but, the rule of thumb I with nicknames is it. you don't get to pick your own. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind <laughs> yeah. of handed to you. Would Do you have a nickname? Well, did you have one do you prefer to be called? Huh? Would Did you have, like, an idea of maybe if you would have a nickname you wanted to be called? no <laughs> okay
2: <laughs> no no i never i never one single time ever thought. let's see let me, let me come up with a nickname for myself no yeah you're right i mean i think it's something that you have to give to someone else but yeah. um yeah i still i would always feel kind of weird and it didn't happen very often but you know somebody come up to me and they go are you the go-to guy and i was like um I, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun, and then I, you know, I called my wife the go-to wife, and my dog the go-to go-to dog, go-to pop, and so I just, I kind of just rolled with it after a while.
1: <laughs> well, it stuck, and we, we all I'm glad that it stuck with you. So I mean, it's a good name for you, at least that's how I feel. But, um, you moved oh. on to 17. 17- you moved out of 710 ESPN. I mean, I, I used to listen to you and collabro when I was picking up my kids when they're young back in school. And I mean, you, how, how can you not be excited about getting a job with Kevin Calabro? I mean, care to share like maybe a story about your experience working with Kevin Calabro? Well,
2: yeah. And uh, Kevin's a good friend and uh, you know, I mean, I, I wish I was still working there, um, but if I look at the big picture of what happened, um, I mean, really Brian and Matt, I, I didn't think I would last 10 minutes there, let alone 10 years. And I say that, and I'm not, uh, not exaggerating at all because when I went in for an audition, uh, you know, some of us come in and audition, and Kevin was going to host his own show, but he was going to have three or four people come in once a week and work with him for an hour. And, um, I think Dave Wyman was one of them, and uh, Bill Hasselman for to the Mariners, and Claire Farnsworth was covering the Seahawks for Seahawks.com at the time, and he was one, and then I ended up being one. But when I went into the audition, I sat and talked with Kevin for ten or fifteen minutes, and at one point I swore, and I I don't know why I did. I mean I said the I, I said uh, I, I, you know, and I, I I just I don't even know why I did, but The program director, Owen Murphy, just lit into me. He got really mad. He goes, you can't swear. What are you doing? You can't swear. And I go, I'm sorry, but it just slipped. And and this isn't going on the air. And and then he was, but he was mad. And so I remember, I thought it went fairly well, but I thought, oh man, because I swore I blew my chance. And I remember walking out and my dog, Willie, was in the car and I started talking to him and I just said, hey, Willie, yeah, I think. (laughs) i think dad blew that one i think i don't think it's going to work out but uh i ended up getting the one hour thing and then uh it just it just went from there i you know kevin put in a good word for me dave grosby came over and was going to work with kevin and then kevin said you know he'd prefer to work with me and then grosby dave got his own show and uh so I got, yeah, I was really fortunate to work with Kevin. Uh, he was the one that made it all possible. And I, well, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And I, you know, at Christmas, I mean, there's been times where I just said, to hey, Kevin, you know, this wouldn't have been possible if it weren't for you. And uh, yeah, I, I, I was really lucky to, to work with him and then was fortunate too, to be able to hang on even after Kevin left.
0: Well, Hey, you know what? We are PG 13 here. So if like Dr. Johnny Fever, you want to say booger, feel free.
1: <laughs> or whatever you want.
2: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, you
1: know,
2: it's, it's kind of funny though. We um, like I I don't go around swearing very often in, in my normal <laughs> life, but but occasionally I do. But it's kind of funny, like when you throw the headphones on the microphone, how you you just all of a sudden know that you're not supposed to swear. And so we we would never swear. And every once in a while, it would slip out. But you had the dump button that, uh, you know, Matt Harden or Matt Nelson or someone else on the board would cover for you. Uh, and But it you'd think that it would happen more often than it does, but it really doesn't. It's,
3: uh, yeah, it's kind of a strange one.
1: <clears throat> right on, right on. Matthew Page I think I think you have a question for him
3: Well yeah so we wanted to shift more towards towards modern day uh you know stories here um and I, I, I had a bone to pick with you I have to admit uh I'm I'm I'm, I'm glancing again here at your one of the, your latest columns. maybe it's your latest column or one of your latest columns here The Kids Up Sun and and uh you, you want to bring back Richard Sherman Yeah why not you don't don't know about back, that.
2: You don't want to bring him back,
3: Matt. You, you, wanna want, him, you, you want to bring him back. back a, you want and rip, open that can of worms. Wait
2: a back at 12 to 14, wait a minute, You want Griffin back at 12 to 14 million a year?
3: Oh no, no, no. I totally support you on that that half. Let him go by. I agree he is a good <laughs> player, not a great player. And you, you, you I think those are your words. That 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 is that sums it up perfectly. He is a good player. He's not a great player and he's not worth, yeah, like 18 million or something crazy. But I, yeah, I, I, I don't I, know about I mean, bringing back the wild card that is Sherman into that into that clubhouse. <laughs>
2: well, he's got such a great relationship with Wilson. Don't you think that would work pretty well? I I, I don't know. I just, it's like, do I want to introduce a stick of right, dynamite? You. I mean, <laughs> no. You know, it, it's just I the day that I wrote that, I even said to David Nelson, he's the editor over there the get that and He's been so good to me. Uh, you know, the people that have reached out uh, when I've been, you know, unemployed since I got laid off in November, uh, David was one of them. And so I, I I'm so grateful to him and um, and Greg Witter over at Coop fan for, you know, keeping me busy. But um, I said to him after I wrote the comment, it was the day that all the, sh- all the Russell Wilson stuff was breaking about. Uh, how he was not he was doing all those interviews saying he, you know appreciate being protected better and all that stuff and then it led to trade speculation and everything and I just I said to David I go go, hey do you want me to you know we can save the Sherman thing and I can write about Wilson if you want he goes no no let's just stick with with Sherman and you can write about Wilson later but I just thought yeah why not you know the only part of it I, I thought Sherman should be more in the five to six million range and a more affordable range given the injuries that he's had in the past and in this past season and his age uh, and not the cornerback he used to be. But I thought, you know, bring him back. He could be a good mentor for Trey Flowers and Dunbar and and some of those other kids, Ugo Amadi. And so I saw some positives there. Now, I also read that he maybe wants nine or 10 million. And that just seems like too high of a price tag, but uh yeah, I just thought it was food for thought and I, I just don't want to bring it back Griffin at twelve to fourteen million and if and Sherman was one of the stories I read where he's like the third highest rated free agent cornerback uh this off season. So uh, I, I I kinda threw it out there as yeah, you know, it might be something we <laughs> should take a look at.
3: I think, yeah, I think it's an intriguing idea. I just I worry about the dynamics in the clubhouse, and i also I have to say I'm not as uh, I'm not as eager to 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 release Bobby Wagner as, as you may be. Um, I saw some things out of Jordan Brooks that were definite improvement towards the end of the season, but I'm still not ready to hand the ball to him permanently yet. I mean, I'm not I'm not ready I'm not ready yeah. to say he's our Bobby Wagner and now going forward, you know.
2: Yeah, you might be right about that. I um I looked at the and, and I'm not real good at this stuff to be honest with you guys. now that I'm unemployed, I can just say whatever. But I did cap and all, all those all those particulars, you know, that if you're covering the NFL you should know. Uh the dead cap money, I look at that and I'm going, Okay, let's see, even if they were to cut Wagner or trade him, it looked like they're still gonna be on the hook for twelve million of that eighteen million. So you're yeah. not Going to make that much of a saving, for Bobby, if you were to him or or uh, cut him this year. So, but if, if that number is at zero or two million dead cap, then yeah, I think I think it's time to move on from him. I I don't I don't look down the tape. I, I'm not gonna I'm not an X's and O's guy. I was you know, I was on K G R the other day, and I you know I'd rather talk about point spreads. Honestly, I don't really. <laughs> I, I never even when I covered the Sonics, I never knew what plays they were running. I, I knew a couple of things when they shouted out, like one of the assistant coaches would shout out, "White, white, white," and I knew that that meant that they wanted their post guy to front the uh, the other the opponent's post guy. But I I didn't know too much about all that stuff. But I don't think Wagner's the player that he used to be. He's certainly not at an eighteen million dollar a year level. And you know, from what Wyman used to say that a lot of the tackles that he was making and and granted, yeah, he's making a lot of tackles still, but how many of them are downfield? And, um, you know, Dave always used to talk, And Dave was a former linebacker. uh, He talked about Bobby not taking on blocks and, and he just was kind of mystified by that. So when I hear stuff like that from Dave, it's not me, Thinking, you know, Bobby's lost his step or whatever. But I mean, that's a guy that that knows football and really knows linebacker play. And if you're paying a guy eighteen million, and I, if you got John Schneider down at Bino's and you gave him a few cocktails, and I, I think he maybe would have looked it hey, you know what? It looked it looked kind of stupid when we took Jordan Brooks, and we've already got KJ and Bobby out there, but we were looking. To the future and the future's coming up here pretty quick with these guys turning thirty. Now KJ played great this year, but uh, Jordan Brooks played a lot of middle linebacker at Texas Tech more so than outside. So I think they were looking at okay, Jordan Brooks is going to be the, the heir apparent there, and I, I think we're getting closer to that. But Matt, you're, you're probably right. I mean, they're going to they're going to keep him for another year, but I'm just I don't know if we're ever going to see him at a, at a level where you go, yeah, he's worth eighteen million. What about yeah,
3: KJ. Right. Sorry. Well, go ahead, Matt. I was just gonna say, yeah, I agree. I agree. His his best days are behind him. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just like, yeah. Like you, the, the, you made a great point there with the dead cap. It's like, it, it, you know, no matter what. Okay, we might save like six million by doing that. But at that point, how are you gonna replace him with only six million? You know, you're not really gonna replace him. You might. Right. Keep... We do need to clear up a but, lot of cap, though. Well, I mean, there gonna are say... gonna be some tough decisions.
2: Well, okay. When you watch him this year, what would you pan? I mean, what what level do you think he was at? So we agree that he wasn't at 18 million, but he was probably played at what an eight to 10 million dollar level, something like that. And well, I
3: that think, sounds reasonable.
2: I I don't know what Bob. I I don't think. Do you think Bobby is going to be willing to restructure?
3: Not down to that level, but he might be willing to restructure to a little bit. Um. You yeah. Well. Uh, then again, I think I think Russell should restructure, but we'll see if that happens.
2: Yeah, I. Probably more likely to Bobby Will and not Russell. Yeah. Uh,
3: Brian, you, you were going to say something?
1: Yeah. You brought up KJ right? I mean, I heard he wants big bucks. Do we bring him back for big bucks or do you think we're going to sign him to a decent, you know, fair contract or what's going on there in your opinion?
2: Well, well I, I don't blame KJ because, as you're talking about, it, I mean, he had a great season. Didn't look like he'd lost his step. Uh, he made a lot of tackles to loss. Uh, I think he had a couple of interceptions. It was one of his best years, but it, I go back to Sean Alexander and I remember the big contract they gave him off of his MVP season. And boy, you gotta you gotta pay for what you think the guy's gonna do in the future, and not what he's done in the past. And I understand that it, that's a that's a tricky one to figure out. Uh, but uh, and I, under, if I'm KJ, I'm thinking, man, you got to pay me ten to twelve million off the season I just had, and he can make a good case for that, a better case for a, a big contract than Bobby at this point. But I still think you got to look at that age and and think to yourself, yeah, but is he going to do that again next year? Now I didn't think he got the kind of season he had this year, so maybe he's gonna one or two more left in him, but he's going to play at a really high rate and be worth a. A huge contract like he wants, but I get the feeling that if he's if he ends up getting 10 to 12 million, that it won't be in Seattle. It'll be somewhere else.
1: I sadly agree with you. I think he's out the door. Unfortunately, with how little cap we have, room we have left. Um, what What are your thoughts about Russell Wilson? What's going on in the news?
2: Oh man. Um, well, that. <laughs> that was one back in january for the kids have soon i wrote that uh that they should trade in with jacksonville and get trevor lawrence and just you know start over uh and i think part of that stemmed from it just seemed to me like there was a growing disconnect with him and pete carroll and the way things went from the first eight games of the season to the last eight games where pete kind of got his way going back to the you know, wanting to run the ball more and everything just was so disjointed offensively. And that was one of the weirdest seasons ever because defensively they were horrible, NFL record type horrible. I mean, you guys watched it and then they turned into being halfway decent. Now, some of that had to do with the opponents they were playing, but still, they were at least fairly average by the end of the season where you, you didn't think, okay, well, the defense is out there. Yeah, I hope the other team screws up or because the defense isn't going to stop them. But the defense was okay toward the end. But boy, the, the offense was the other way around. They went from, from so explosive in the first eight games to not knowing... They didn't even look like they knew how to play offensive times uh, the last eight games. So I just think there's... I don't know if it's a disconnect that can be repaired. And poor Shane Waldron coming in as the, as the new offensive coordinator. Boy, he's got a full plate because he's got a, a to appease Pete and make him happy because that's his boss, but then he's also got to try and make Russell happy. There's a maybe a happy medium that they can find, but I get the feeling that, that Russell wants to cook. Uh, and, and, uh, I, I hated that, let, let Russ cook thing, but you know, I mean, everybody was under, you know, I'm in the minority with that probably. Uh, but I, I just think that it came to a head and I, I, I felt like maybe it was time for Russell to move on. And now you got the agents, you know, even saying, Hey, we don't, he doesn't want to leave, but we'll give you these four teams in case that you want to trade in that we'd be okay with, we'll with go trade clause on and on, but boy, what a what an off-season of drama that's been.
1: <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, I do want to ask one quick minor question, but before I do that, uh, we had your buddy Tom Walsall on a few weeks ago. He was really great with us, just like you, been. and I, I played a quick game with him, which I want to do with you. It's where I'm going to name a few of your former coworkers, and I'd like you to describe them in one or two words, if you're okay with that. Um
2: one or two words. Okay.
1: <laughs> I know I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, the Gras. What's your opinion on the Gras in one or two words? Lovable. Uh, how about Tom Wassell?
2: Interesting. <laughs> well said. <Okay>. Well said. <laughs> Kevin Calabro. <laughs> you know, honestly, I didn't know, I, I didn't work with Tom much. I didn't know him that well. I, I think it's, I love what Tom's doing. You know, he's on Twitch and he's got the Tom Waffle show and, and he, he's trying to make a go of it on his own. And uh, I, I really admire and respect that. And you know, I've had people say, you know, hey, Jim, I you do a podcast. You know, you should do a podcast. I'd listen. And I, I really appreciate it when people say that. But God, I don't know if you guys ever, if if you guys ever heard me when I had to lead a show, I suck. I was terrible <laughs> yeah. at it. And, and so. I- if I had my own podcast, I suppose I could take it, you know, get my way through it. But I was always nervous when I led the show, and I didn't feel that way with the golf show. Uh, the golf show, I felt fine talking about golf, but I, I don't know, you know, like the Jim Moore show. Hey, everybody! And like, uh yeah, I just, I just, like I said, I was stuck on it. I, I why
3: understand. Why Why not just make a? make a golf podcast if you were that comfortable Make a, get a get a get a podcast together with some friends who are into golf and interview some golfers and talk golf you know i'm sure I, everyone would I, love to hear I that might too.
2: do that you I to do that you know it's crazy and i, I will be honest with you guys uh, as much as i appreciate and people have been so nice you know with, you know saying that uh, you know, the, the missed room or whatever. And I, I, I'm so grateful to people and how, how nice they've been uh, after I got laid off. But I probably missed doing the golf show and the podcast I did about dogs called Bark. I probably missed those two things more than, you know, trying to figure out what to say about Russell Wilson every day. Understood. Understood. A uh, couple more names for you Kevin Clabro. the best uh, how about the professor john clayton let's see uh what would i come up with a professor um how about this i think this sums it up brilliant
1: absolutely and my last but not least my favorite jasmine mcintyre who i'm totally uh, she's great but what, what are your thoughts on her
2: uh, you guys should have her on a podcast too on your podcast. Um, uh, yeah, I just absolutely love Jess I mean she's I'll give you a two words here in a second, but she has lit a fire under me and you know i just been kind of hanging out and you know throwing lines in the water trying to find work and stuff and uh, she just was she just lectured me i mean via text anyway, you know, telling me to write and just you know write a book and i i go well jess i don't know what i want to write she goes i don't care just effing right just sit down <laughs> and so and she goes i'm going to be an editor and i want you to report back to me with 10 pages of your book by let's see what's it doing i'm <laughs> gonna my, my editor Jessica mcintyre is, is requiring me to get 10 pages of, of this book to her by tomorrow morning and uh I've actually written three chapters. Now, I mean, it's just me there, they're just writing off the top of my head. I don't know if it's good or bad or something in between, but my God, my editor asked me to, to get some copy in by tomorrow and I'm going to get it to her and we'll, we'll see where it goes. And I appreciate it because like, like most other writers, I don't know if you guys have ever thought about writing a book, I'm, I've always thought about wanting to write one. And again, I don't care if it's, new york times bestseller list or whether it makes money it's just about accomplishing the goal at this point i would hate to die tomorrow and go god i never wrote a book damn it why did i do that
0: yeah but a kind so, of question um, about this jim though is is sit down and write basically the new shut up and dribble um i'm just kidding never mind. it seems like it <laughs> no, no it, it does
2: it, it seems that way i you know it you know, part of the reason I haven't done it too is when I worked at the PI, people who wrote books and publishing companies would always send books to to the paper because they wanted the paper to do reviews and uh, and hopefully increase their sales. And up in the lunchroom, they would put out all these books, and we could buy them uh, for ten percent of the cover price. So if it was like Twenty-five dollars. We just had to pay what's that? Twenty-five cents or two? Maybe it was, I don't know. Two fifty or whatever. I'm, I'm, my math is terrible. Um, but it was really cute. But I remember all of us, and we were all into writing and books, and we were reporters. But we'd go through all these books, and you just go through. them like eh, eh, eh. And I was thinking, wait a minute, why am I saying eh, eh, eh? eh? Who wrote this book? Put their the life into it and i'm looking at it like eh, you know i don't know my wife will say well if you write something people will want to read it and i'm going well maybe well i hope so but anyway you want two words for jessamine uh the greatest how's that uh,
1: perfect thank you for sharing that. that hopefully we can get her on in the future but thank you for sharing that she is awesome um we, In our pre-show meeting, my long story short, I had about three hours of questions, and I know we're getting to the end of the time here, but I do want to talk Mariners with you real quick before we wrap it up. What are your thoughts, Jim, about what's going on with the Mariners recently with what ex-employee Kevin Mather said about, you know, well, you know what I'm talking about, but what are your thoughts about that? I mean, do they need to rebrand this franchise? What's going on?
2: Well, I, uh, yeah, that was, uh, it, it kind of reminded me of like stuff we say on, on sports radio all the time about Kyle Seeger, Yeah. He's overpaid or, or Kelnick, you know, yeah, the service time thing, they got to make sure that, you know, they, they don't want him to be a free agent sooner than, than you know, lose him, you know, a year too early and, and all these different things that he was saying, um, is, fitting for sports radio but not when you're one of the guys who's running the team and i kind of got a kick out of it when i I like kevin um he certainly misspoke and he probably was naive thinking that i'm just talking to this rotor club and not aware of the, the zoom recording that that went out um and probably never thought that he probably thought that I just want to give these guys a little inside information. You know, they're having me speak to their club and I just want to kind of take them behind the scenes a little bit and give them a little meat on the bone here instead of the, the usual spiel that they get from us when we're in a public setting. Um, and it backfired on him. Um, so uh, hopefully the Mariners will get through that. And it seems like Kelnick has a pretty good attitude about what was said about him. and hitting a home run with it yesterday and, and uh, maybe I, i've heard Shannon andrea talking about it I, I agree with her it's one of the few times i agree with her uh i love <laughs> Shannon. you didn't bring up Shannon, but uh, no. we always had kind of a contentious relationship on the air and uh uh it, it was always a, a good back and forth but um you know i agree with we're that we got to wait to see how Kelnick does toward the end of spring training, and not so much how he's doing early on against some pitchers that won't be big league pitchers. So, so we'll see. I I like the direction that they're going in, and boys uh, really really likes that. Service. Um, I personally had a falling out with Jerry Depoto, but I think he's doing a good job and uh, has really rebuilt his team, and they look like they're in position to uh, be much you know much improved this year maybe contend certainly contend next year and they're they're doing this at a good time too while some of the other teams in the division are, are going the opposite direction
1: you can if i'm allowed to ask you said jerry depoto you had a falling out are you willing to talk about that or if not no. well worries.
2: yeah I, I mean yeah at this point i <laughs> free to talk about anything i guess i you know, you know this is it was pretty bad on my part. I, um, it, it started with he used to do a a show with us uh, every Thursday, I think it was, and he would come on and and you know I think we did some stuff with Jarinic too, and and Jack wasn't as forthcoming as Jerry was, um, and you know Jerry Jerry can talk, and and so it was really nice to have him on. When you got the general manager of one of the teams in town on a weekly. Um, doing a weekly show, it was it was a big deal for us. Well, I proceeded to blow that by... Remember last year, early in the season? Was it last year or was it two years ago? Might have been two years ago, I forget. But they, remember all the years, Tim Beckham and, and all those guys that had out there that were booting the ball or throwing it all over the place and and they just they looked like a bad little league team out there at times. You know, they just set in records for, for errors and I I should have just said when he was on I I want well, I had a question about the defense and so I should have just said you know, I know you guys have had a rough go of it out there in the field you know you know what's what's the outlook for you know the rest of the the season you know and I'm sure he would have said you know what well, infield coach is working with him it's not okay, or, you know we extra infield and you know something like that but I had to go and say my kids were like 14 or 15 at the time and I just after I got through my spiel about how bad their defense was, I said, you know, like, Jerry, I got to be honest with you. My my kids are 15 years old and and their team is better defensively than your team. And, and that, Uh, that, 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 that was everything going, going in the wrong direction. And I, I called and I apologized to them. I, you know, I sometimes, I sometimes when I was doing the the job, I would forget that I was a, a, a talk show host and I needed to, I was unprofessional at times and I, I I regret that and I apologize. Um, And then I think he was good with that, but I wrote something for 710sports.com maybe a month or two later, wondering whether Jerry DePoto was the guy you wanted in charge of the rebuild. And maybe he read that. Um, And the reason I said that was I thought it was kind of curious that he he got the contract extension when the Mariners were 54 and 32. I don't know if you remember that. They were really good that year for a while through 85 games and their run differential suggested that they would, they should be more like a 500 team and the rest of the year, they were terrible. And yet the same guy that was the architect of this team, you know, given the keys to the rebuild and I just, I knew that they were in a position where they had to give him the keys because they just gave him the contract extension three months previous. But I just kind of wondered in, in the post that I wrote about whether he was the guy that you wanted to come to that. And that's it. I don't know that for a fact, but maybe he read that. Uh, why am I going on a, on a weekly show with this guy that's, you know, criticizing me like this and then um, come to find out that he didn't want to do the, any show that I was on, and and that was how you ended up with uh, Danny and Paul in the mornings and, and off of our show. So
0: isn't there a certain yeah, I, of fragility with with that uh, type of ego? I mean, because I think you got in with Richard Sherman too, didn't you? And it's just yeah, I you make a yeah, lot of money. Richard, I don't like, re-
2: <laughs> well, I don't regret what happened with with Sherman. I mean, we could get into that if you want. I you know he he just. You know, Pete had come out and said that Richard really regretted what had happened, uh, the the Thursday night game, and questioning the play calling. And then when Richard got up behind the podium, he basically made it sound like he didn't regret it at all. And so that was what I was like, well, wait a minute, you know? And that was what kind of planted that. But with Jerry, I wish, you know, I wish I had a do over on that. I I do think that. Honestly, you guys. I mean, if I'm a general manager of a baseball team and there's some 60-year-old guy on a radio show saying crap about me, I probably wouldn't care. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I always sit there and I think, well, Jerry, if if you if you worked in New York or Chicago, I mean, what, or or oh, Philadelphia, I mean, what do you think they'd be saying about your ball club? You know? Um, I, and so, yeah, I mean, did I? But I, I, if it, I had to, If I had a do-over.
0: I get it, Jim, huh? but like I, I don't feel like you do it from a place of malice. I, I You do it from a place of honesty. I mean, there's a lot of shock jocks out there who just want to get the clicks and want to get the you know ratings, but I mean, that's not what I've ever gathered about you. It's just a honest opinion that you throw out, and it mm-hmm. seems like there's a little ego from the other end. Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, my, that's okay. my opinion. Um, that's my opinion. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's
2: nice of you to say, but I mean, you know, there'd be probably people at the station, you know, maybe Mike Salt, maybe, um, I mean, maybe even Dave, maybe even Bob, I mean, Danny, I mean, there's people that would tell you that I probably needed to use my filter more than I did, but I had a problem with, I, I mean, I just hate softball questions. I, I, I really, I, I think about, okay, I got to appreciate that Jerry's taking his time to come on this show, but. I don't want to feed him a bunch of softball questions because if I'm driving out on 405 and I'm stuck in traffic, you've got all kinds of, I mean, you've got options. You don't have to be listening to our show. And it's not like I want to go out of my way and attack a guy or blindside a guy, but I don't want to just, you know, Hey, gee, you know, boy, that was some kind of game last night that, you know, so-and-so had and then have him go on and on for, you know, 30 seconds. I, so there's, but there's a fine line there, and I, I think I, 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 I broke that one. But to your point, there is a part of me that's thinking, man, you gotta have a little thicker skin than that, Jerry boy. Come on, <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> like, or maybe he just didn't, you know. That's okay if he doesn't like me. That that's that's all right. I mean, you know. But I, I, there was a part of me that was thinking, man, I, okay, enough to you know not want to be on the show anymore, but.
3: Um
2: yeah, I, all in all, though, I do, I do regret how that turned out.
3: Um, I, I know we're, we're, we're getting near the end here, but I, I, I have to ask you a question about you know, current baseball and your thoughts. I've been accused of being the old man, even though I'm the youngest uh, person on this podcast. I've been accused of, of being the old man because um, I, I'm curious your thoughts about a, a universal DH being potentially brought into the league. Uh, in baseball and and how it'll impact things and if it, what 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 you think about it?
2: Oh, I I love it. Uh, I I I want to see the DH and and I know that um people will tell you that like the National League game that that you take out some of the strategy if if you if you do that and I would agree with them on that. Yes, there is some strategy involved there, but. <laughs> Come on, the pitcher when he's in the batter's box he didn't make it to the major league as a batter and if if he was let's just say that if if he was just in the major league as a batter, it would never happen um that would be like a put it, i don't know that'd be like having a professional golfer out there every week hit you know scoring a hundred I don't want to see a pitcher in the batter's box. I just don't, and I know there's been some good hitting pitchers, but it just it bores the hell out of me, and I just think it's stupid. Thank uh, you, Jim.
0: Thank you, Jim. Uh, I, thank you. I, I guess I, I guess love, I'm still I guess I I'm still the that oldest guy. We this podcast with Matt being wrong. I guess I <laughs> guess I'm still <laughs> the guy. Right, right. thing.
3: I'm, I'm the hardcore <laughs> old school fine. guy. I mean, we. So
0: no, no. Matt's Matt's
2: yeah. opinion's fine. I get it. You he know, can and, a, he uh, can have a he can have a wrong opinion. Is, I agree. No, but Mac, you know, Mac could say to me, you know, and he probably will once I get done lathering here. But you know, hey Jim, you know, there was a game where the second such happened, and they did this double switch, and you know, and all this stuff, and there was so much. of a such a chess match, and
0: and you know, whatever, you know.
2: Well, you did have Felix or whatever.
0: You did have Felix's huh? grand salami against the Mets, right? Yeah, yeah. There, there's. So once every decade. There are
3: fun games. I mean, there was a, there was a game like I think about four years ago where Clayton Kershaw against the Giants, he hit a solo home run and then pitched a nine inning shutout. So he he basically won the game himself. That was pretty fun. But yeah, I, I get your point that they that well, they yeah. really aren't a batter, you know.
2: But okay, I'll give you that. But how many games could we talk about where the pitcher gets up there and it's Strike one, strike two, strike three. He looks silly if he even tries to swing at it. Yeah,
0: um,
2: nice, and, nice and, nice. And, and well, and the other part of it is, I think we're trying to uh, change some rules of the game to make it more interesting to younger people. Like, I, I'm going to like baseball no matter what because I'm an oldster and I, I grew up with it. I, I played at Redmond. and it's always been my favorite sport. Really, I, I, I love. I love listening to the Mariners on the radio. There's times when I'll sit out on my deck and listen to the radio, even though I know I could just walk inside and watch them. But I just, you know, probably just used to being a kid. And, uh, I mean, I go back to the Seattle Pilots in 69. And, and then when the Mariners, you know, first came here in 77, when I was, oh, I would say I guess I was 19 then. But, um, I yeah, I think we want more excitement. I think we need a, a faster-moving game. And I don't even mind, you guys probably – are, are split on this I mean if you need to put a guy at second base I don't like it in extra innings but if you need to do that to speed things up and and try and get more kids interested in the game then okay uh all right I'll live with it I, I might not like it but uh whatever you have to do I I'm concerned about the future of baseball a little bit because uh I don't sense that I mean, my kids are into it because they play. They play at Issaquah High School, and they play on a summer league team, and it's been a part of their lives ever since they were little kids in a little league. But I don't sense that kids are into it like they are the the NBA and the NFL.
0: I love it. I I need to end the show on Matt being wrong. (laughs) And I really appreciate everything that you've done for us here, Jim Moore. And uh, we always end the show with a shout-out. It's just kind of a general positivity. Uh, you know uh, uh introspection and i want to give a shout out to jim moore for proving matt wrong matt do you have any shout outs this week <laughs> uh,
3: uh, uh, no um i guess i'll be i'll remain the old guy and the crouchy old guy who likes baseball the old way and 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 watch <laughs> nl more than anything than anything
0: well, you could give a shout out to the commissioner for keeping Universal DH out of baseball. I,
3: I, I will give a shout out to the commissioner of baseball for delaying it for one more year because <laughs> I know it's inevitable.
0: <laughs> so, lack, do you have any shout outs this week?
1: Yes. Uh, first, thank you, Jim Moore, for
3: Absolutely. joining
1: us. This was amazing tonight. I mean, I've always wanted to meet you in person. So, this is the next best thing. And I really, really do hope you write a book because you got. We, had, we could talk to you for several hours tonight, and I know three you got, people
3: on this call would buy it. I can tell you right oh, there. Oh,
1: absolutely! And so, thank you for that. And uh, quick shout out to the Everett Aquasocks and the Bellingham Bells. We cover them during the summertime. And Jim Moore, if you ever get a chance to go watch one of those games, you'll have a great time. But just go to everettaquasocks.com and bellinghambells.com and buy your tickets.
0: And Jim. Oh Our special I, guest. I, I I'd been.
2: I'll. I'll tell you. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but it's brain right? I, I, um, I've been up to some Aqua Sox games, and I've had a blast. I, um, I went to a dog, a park in the park night up there one time. Uh, they let me bring my dog into the press box that night, and then uh, we also went up when, when Cano played for him. Remember that? And he, and he hit like Oh a yeah, yeah, we were there. Uh, oh hit, yeah, yeah, he, we
3: were there.
2: Yeah, when he rehabbed. Um, yeah, I took the kids up for that one. So yeah, it's. uh, I love minor league baseball. I love baseball. I just love all all baseball.
0: Where can people find you, Jim?
2: Twitter. Well, oh,
1: right like now I'm Twitter
0: or... <laughs> 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 All right, we'll send them him, really <laughs> <My kids bedroom. laughs> we'll <send> him over. We'll send them over. Slumber my party, Jim. <laughs> no, I'm at Twitter. Twitters yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Plug
3: your handles. Your, yeah.
2: Oh, I, I'm I'm at Coop, Coops Go. And the uh, reason I Coops is because when I got onto Twitter, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I wanted to do Go Koops but that had already been taken. So I just turned the two words around, and so that's that's what I have there. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Instagram. Go to Coup. Uh What else am I on? Um, I'm trying to do social media stuff. Uh, you know, trying. You know, occasionally, but.
0: Yeah, that, if people want to follow me, great. If they don't, that's okay too. <laughs> All right, great. And Any shout-outs? What, you a shout-out? You want me to have
2: a shout-out? Yeah, yeah. If you like. yeah. Thing, yeah. Friends, family. Uh, my shout-out to, to. Okay, here's my shout-out. Alex Smith over there at WSU, uh, the second-year basketball coach. I just I love how the groups are playing this year, and I love the talent that he's assembled there, and. I know we're like 8th or ninth in the Pac-12 going into the tournament next week, but, I mean, this guy has the Cougar basketball team heading in the right direction, and I'm, I'm excited about the future of Cougar basketball. And it's been a while since Tony Bennett was there, but I think we're going to end up in a NCAA tournament experience the March Madness with him in town. So my shout-out goes to and the Cougs over there. There you go.
0: All right, well, thank you, everybody, for listening this week. That was Jim Moore, special guest Jim Moore. My name is Abraham DeWeese and today we had our host, Brian the Soul Man Solak and the guy we put up with, Matthew the Oregon Duck Page.
3: And you do so admirably.
0: (laughs) Check out all our great articles on seattlesportsyoutube.com as well. Check out us on Twitter at SeattleSportsU, and we'll see you guys next week.
1: Go Cougs! Hey, go Cougs!